Well, welcome, welcome to another Upgrade Your Skills with AI podcast episode by creativespark.ai, where we have conversations with creators who use AI to upgrade their creative, technical, and business skills. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. As always, if you want to get a hold of me, just email me, marcelo at creativespark.ai. Also remember to check out our website, creativespark.ai, for more episodes and all kinds of shows focused on helping you use AI so you can be more productive, be more technical, and be more creative. Now, today's episode is really cool because we're in the age of generative AI, right? And generative content. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that, all the um, concerns and all the good stuff about it, and how creators can uh, use generative AI and adapt um, to those to those new needs. My guest is Ofer Familiar. He's from Gloss AI. He's one of the co-founders. So with that said, let's go ahead and just get him on. Hey, welcome. Nice to have you. It's 12 midnight from what you were telling me before we got started. You're in Israel, right? Hello. Correct. So thank you so much for staying uh, staying up for us uh, to do this. Hey. I really appreciate it. No problem. So real quick, uh, give us a little bit about your background. Um, tell us about how did you get into AI? What, what interests you in AI? And then tell us about Gloss AI and why you created that. Sure. So I'm, I'm a software engineer originally. I worked for worked at Intel um, almost uh, 20 years ago now. Um, after not being a great software engineer, I left to get an MBA like everyone does and, uh, and then worked for McKinsey for a few years out of London. And when I moved back to Israel, I joined what was back then a very early stage um, a startup called Fire Imaging. And I was there for almost seven years as a business development. And, uh, and the idea of Glossy came with my two co-founders, which we have known since Intel days, but also partnered in, in VR. Um, and these were coffee days. Um, and um, within COVID days, everything moved to video. It was very, very hard, you know, to get a lot of the things across. So it was really clear that there are so many efficiencies around it, but so many things didn't work well. It's very hard to train. It's hard to create leads. It's hard to, you know, deliver messages. It's hard not to get people to get too tired out of it. And um, so, and um, so, so the idea was: Can we create these? Can we take these videos? and use AI in order to extract you know, what's most important for them because people do want to consume this content. And, and then we all came together, and me and my partners, Yal and Ati, and we thought, like, is technology at a place that this is something we feel that we can solve? And uh, these were probably the early GPT-1 days um, that we were looking at this. Um, and then we found, yeah, maybe if we analyze a lot of different parameters around it, this is something that can't be solved. And we went embarked in this uh, in a journey and started Los AI about two years ago and uh, expanded since. And the idea still remains, right? Can we take videos, now other pieces of content, and just repurpose them so people can listen in to, you know, highlights really or read an ebook or watch kind of a short snippet? That's what we're trying to. So the idea is that you take, uh, for example, this video content, and then you can create s short snippets that you can use as sort of promos 
but are automatically via uh, AI, right? So it's not the user going through the timeline going, oh, I want this section. It it picks those highlights for you. I'm assuming you can edit them as well if, if you want to adjust. Yeah, that's all exactly correct. And the nice thing is that it's not only these uh, short form snippets, which are used for certain purposes, but some people do want to consume the entire video, for example, but they do want kind of like a table of contents or chapters that enable them to see how to navigate it better. And some of them right. would want to skim through an ebook and kind of read and then go to the video. So we try to do all of this. So it transcribes project. as well, the whole process. Transcribes as well, and that you can run through kind of each audience, can run through whatever they're interested in, in order to consume it. Now, are you using your own backend uh, for transcribing, for uh, generating, or are you uh, using like OpenAI, GPT-3, Whisper, so on and so forth? Uh, so it's a combination. It's really interesting, right? So uh, trans transcription is really, um, is really an interesting topic, right? Because this is an important part for us. And um, when we started, we did use Whisper didn't exist at the time. So we did use different types of services. And, and unfortunately, they, they weren't accurate enough for us to get kind of the results that we wanted. And we started developing this on our own. Whisper came out. We realized Whisper is amazing, but was still lacking a lot of things. So we've added a lot of things on top. And uh, yeah, and now it's fully our own kind of transcription engine. And it's a mix. Um, you know, we're not too proud. We don't go to develop everything, whatever exists. We take, if it's good enough, we take it as it is. If we need to add layers on top of it, we add the layers and then it's a mix of different elements. Yeah. It's a good thing to have your own, right? Cause then you're not dependent on third parties also, because there is an extra charge for those. And then if the system goes down, I mean, the negatives is they have a huge team, right? Much larger so they can work on, on those things much more quicker right. than smaller teams, right? Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, so today's today we're talking about generative AI. And since ChatGPT came out, right? I mean, it's been the hottest topic nonstop. I mean, you can't turn into LinkedIn and not notice anywhere about generative AI. And when we, we're talking about gener uh, generating content, we don't mean just text, right? We're talking about uh, images. We're talking about now video. Uh, 3D, even games. I mean, just any kind of content. Um, so that's what we're we're going to try. I mean, you're obviously in the middle of it with Gloss AI, but um, let's talk about, let's start with the positive. What are the benefits of using generative AI uh, from a content creator's perspective? Um, I think if you look at benefits, then it's, uh, it's probably quite clear, right? Because these are the benefits that you get. So I think if I try to kind of um, categorize what it is, um, then I think this is really and what I call the content revolution, right? We had, you know, we had a digital revolution, we had print revolution. This is really a content revolution because it enables people to um, imagine what they want almost and write it like they're just, like they would write a service provider to create. And then it gets created for them. Now, you know, it's not perfect. There are gaps, there are a lot of obstacles, etc. But in general, um, this is really a new um, a new way to consider how you can create content um, with some risks, but um, but it's amazing. So you can now be 
the creator and have, you know, these videos and nicely presented images and texts and blogs, etc. And you don't need to hire outside staff. You can do it on your own. You can do it quite easily and adapt the tone of voice. So there are a lot of things that you can do with it. And, um, and it gives a lot of opportunities to a lot of people and a lot of companies. Um, so there are tons of positives around it, right? Uh, if used properly, obviously. If used properly, right, right. If well, um, and it's so it's it's really democratizing content creation, right? Um, at every level, right? Um, I I think what you said, content revolution. I think you you've hit uh, uh, the nail on the head right there because I do believe that we are going. I personally believe we're going through a second content revolution because I think probably when the web took off and it really took off maybe 10 years ago, every company became a publisher. I think now everybody is becoming a publisher. I mean, everybody. I just saw LinkedIn posting the other day of a person that doesn't write children's book, wrote a children's book using ChatGPT and MidJourney, right? So that's pretty amazing because we all have these thoughts in our heads, but translating that vision into this sometimes is, you know, it, it doesn't work and generative AI can do that. So, um, but having said that, um, if you start working a lot with ChatGPT specifically, um, you start noticing it becomes sometimes repetitive. Um, you know, there are some things that it doesn't work properly. So how do you, how can, uh, how can you generate high quality content for the target audience? Cause that's, that's important, right? For, Companies don't just create content. They create content for a very specific target audience, a, a persona. How, how do we do that with generative AI? And um, to break away, I think it's, I think it's a combination of different things. Uh, there are different options of what you need to do. And first of all, you know, that that's exactly what we believe, right? It's that it's not enough, you know, to just, um, for companies to just, you know, make these things available. And you really need to kind of solve the workflow and kind of and figure out what exactly you need to do. So you do need to develop additional layers and on top um, of these things in order to perfect it, in order to personalize it, in order to create kind of more specific things. Um, and which is, I, I do feel is critical, right? And that's a big part of what we do, right? Uh, ChatGPT wouldn't work today. Like if we take our conversation which is, uh, you know, two people talking and, and I, you know, I challenge you guys, the listeners or the viewers to kind of try this and take the transcript of this, put it on ChatGPT, try, not just, you know, try, get me a summary and see kind of that it outputs something, but try to read whether it outputted reasonable things. And the reality is that it wouldn't, um, um, because it's not trained on dialogues. It's not really trained on kind of spoken words. So. And um, so there are a lot of gaps and then, um, there is room for companies, for application layers, to combine all of these things and kind of solve a problem of a company. So from, from this perspective, I think that's it. And um, secondly, you know, it's like, I, we've witnessed the differences between GPT one and GPT two, GPT three, and kind of chat GPT, which is GPT 3.5. It's, it's unbelievable. Like you look at GPT one and you try to imagine it's completely wrong. It's not all of the time inventing things, etc. And these things will improve all the time. I think there are a few breakthroughs here that happened, 
both in the interface, you know, like a real chatbots, natural language interface. Um, but, but also that it got closer, right? Like it's already incredible, many mistakes, many limitations. Yeah, man, you start recognizing, you know, our patterns start recognizing things that are sound a little too generic. Um, but these things will evolve, it will be better, it will um, get better one. I, I think, you know, my, one of our ongoing engineers showed me yesterday that there's a new feature on, on ChatGPT that you can um, ask ChatGPT to answer as a specific persona. So you can say, right. if you were a marketing expert, yeah, how through the API. Yeah, and, and these are yeah. the things that we keep on evolving. Like, right. imagine what happens like in the last six months. I don't know what would happen in the next three years. So it's, um, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's the thing is if you don't like something today, just wait five more minutes, right? Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to change. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep up with stuff. But yeah, in the, in the API, you can set up the persona and then you have the system and the the guest or who, whatever they call the the person asking the question, I forget. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting. Um, however, uh, these engines, these models are trained on public data, which is sometimes you have, uh, as they call it, garbage in, garbage out, right? You have biases, um, discrimination. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. So how can companies uh, and creators ensure that their content that they create is not creating this kind of stuff? I mean, I, I've seen, I guess these are lazy creators, but I've seen people cut and paste whatever chat GPT gave them without even probably reading it because you... You read and you go like, wait, well, you didn't catch that. So had, yeah. besides saying, read what, what it generated, right? That That's an obvious. What else can they take it, can they think about and do to make sure that the content is is good content? Yeah, now, so I think one of the things we started developing also for our specific use cases is that something that we call like a validated GPT. So we tried to get and kind of the answers or queries that come on videos that um, that are inputted into our system and whatever GPT, uh, ChatGPT will answer. And then we try to find explicit evidence based on our analysis of the video and the transcript, et cetera, um, in order to kind of point you as a user into the specific place where it goes. Um, Almost like so Bing does, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and this, some of these things would work for certain use cases. They cannot work always. So I right. think, and also open AI, because obviously I think that's one of the things, right. That came up right from the get go, right. That there are mistakes and how do you, like we're already in a slippery slope in terms of kind of the post truth worlds that, that, you know, content is created and it's hard to tell what's right and what's wrong. And this is probably making it even easier. So there is a really risk around it. Um, and I think that came up the second it launched. Um, and I do feel that um, OpenAI specifically needs to um, think about how they are able to try and solve it or how they are able to give certain confidence levels of the results. Or if you combine it with Bing, how you're able to take somehow the answer and try to deliver a link towards where you might find kind of the explicit evidence around it. 
And so these are things that I see, I do think that uh, we can't, you know, we can't educate every creator, every person not to just copy paste and then um, you, you can't monitor this. So I, I think, um, com- you know, companies like OpenAI need to understand kind of the, the, you know, the power, the strengths, but also the risks associated with it and, and try to think of, of solution and um, solutions not to create and um, some kind of a chaotic environment that everyone just says in yeah. and creates incorrect content. Yeah, definitely. But do you feel that maybe companies like you guys that um, are a level above OpenAI, right? OpenAI is the infrastructure there. You guys are above it putting a business use to this, right? And a very focused business use. Because to me, I feel that's the future of content creation is taking this big engine and focusing it on different verticals for for a particular use, right? Do you feel that maybe they should leave that completely open and you guys in that vertical space put the boundaries around what can and can't be done? So you focus on enterprise and content creators, right? So putting the focus around that, because the other thing that I want to, and I'll let you answer that, but real quick, you can tie it with um, the brand of a company. How how can they also stay on brand when they're creating this content, right? Which to me is that that box you put on top of OpenAI. Yeah, so I think these are two separate topics, what you raised. Um, staying on brand, both on kind of text generation and, and models or an image generation models, extremely important. Absolutely could be an application layer. Um, of companies and doing that um, and on top of OpenAI or DALI or MidJourney or Stable Diffusion or whatever. Um, I think um, validating answers um, is that uh, I, I think it's risky, very risky to leave it kind of to the applications on top because I think it's important to understand that when I try to solve some of these things, I try to solve it for a very, very narrow scope that's within the products that we're offering and the amount of possibilities and use cases and different uses that something like ChatGPT has um, is, you know, dramatically, it's like we're like a, a you know, a sand head and a very small piece of it. And so, yes, we might solve it for that, but and some people might not solve it. And ChatGPT is a consumer app, so, so so people will use it. Not everyone will use the tool on top of it. And so I I don't know if that's a good uh, solution. I think it's hard sometimes. It's a little bit like what happened in social media, right? Uh, I think you know it came from great intents and and it has incredible impact. And, and probably at the beginning, you know, it was hard to kind of predict what's going to happen, what's the risk and who's going to take it where and, and what are the risks associated. And, and, and then it's hard to also treat it with a lot of, um, you know, resources, a lot of, uh, and a lot of, uh, dilemmas at what you launch and what you don't launch, because who knows what's going to happen five years. So it's, it's hard, right? If, if I'm the CEO, you know, if I'm Sam Altman, then it's it's hard to make these decisions at this stage where you see this this incredible growth and to kind of put you know in the back of your mind what could happen three years from now five years from now and because it's very hard to predict how people would use them um, so it's it it's 
tough decision to make, but I do feel that if we do take kind of the what happened in social media versus what we planned, and think that here the risk is just much bigger, and uh, and then this is I, I do think that this is something that you know the big companies need to take into account. Yeah, definitely. And and we're going to move on to the next questions. But my only concern with the big companies taking care of that is that it becomes centralized. And what is then acceptable or unacceptable? For example, you're in Israel, I'm in the U.S., right? What is acceptable in Israel that is not acceptable in U.S. and vice versa? Who makes that decision? And that's why I was talking about maybe the application layer where you're using it. You say, hey, this is acceptable for our audience. We decide that, right? Um, but, you know, it's obviously who knows what the real answer is going to be there. But uh, that's it's, it becomes kind of a, a tricky situation, I think. In the yeah, future. but I agree. I think it's a great point, right? That there's no one single, uh, you know, true answer, and uh, and it's it's very hard. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I'm going to give a a, a, dis a disclaimer here. Neither you or I are lawyers. We're not lawyers whatsoever. I'm saying that because I'm just going to ask you about copyright. Now, obviously, we don't know the answer to this because we're not lawyers. We're not giving any kind of law. I've, I'm repeating this over and over so I don't get emails or or lawsuits. <laughs> okay, so that, now that we got that out of the way, what's your opinion? Very important to say that. What is your opinion on copyright law? Because the the the, the book created, the, chi the child, the children book that was created, right? Who really created that? Who owns that? Who owns those images? Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously we're not going to have the answer here, but I'd love to hear your opinion and what you think and what's happening in Israel even. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think there are different aspects based on the different uh, segment of, of, uh, generative AI. And I think when you look at images, this is kind of probably the, uh, the one to kind of look for copyrights and, and. I can see both arguments, right? On one hand, you can say, you know, yes, this was inspired by a lot of different images, but probably also, you know, Monet was inspired by a lot of different paintings that were painted before. So why is that different? And so that's one end. And there are elements I can tell you that once uh, immediately when kind of, well, I don't want to kind of say bad things about one versus the other, but when, um, when they came out, one of the things we tested, because we were very curious from a, from an algorithm's perspective, is what's going to happen if we put a prompt, um, which is the exact uh, same prompt that appears in all the stop imagery. And, and we use that as the prompt for generating an image. And, and, and what we found is that it, it looks very similar. And, and you could understand, right, because this is, huge data banks and this is trained that it looks very similar. So, um, obviously there are all the lawsuits now, et cetera, and it's a very, very complicated thing. I don't know if anyone has really a good structure on how to judge this. Um, but I do feel that, um, you know, if you put like a hundred images based on the exact same prompt and ask people, these look the same, you would get very high amounts of people that say, yeah, it looks pretty much the same. So they do need to make sure that they don't create something that is too uh, close to reality, and and I'm sure I'm sure the models will be adopted. And that said, and 
I think, honestly, it doesn't matter what we feel is copyright violations or not. This is a bullet train, technological bullet train. Right. And that's it. Like, you can't stop a train like this. Um, like, you could, you know, pause, you can make restrictions, you can make sure, but there's no way to really be able to limit it. And um, so I think this might be, you know, theoretical discussion is this might belong in very certain crowds that are discussing this and we like what's left of our privacy. <laughs> um, right. but, um, but, um, but the, the reality is that this has happened and, 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 uh, yeah, and that's, that's where we are. So do you feel, um, you as a company, Gloss AI, right, that, that is generating, so, um, do you feel that, that the company is basically whatever they, with the user, gen, like, where is, who's generating? Is it Gloss AI generating? Is it the person pushing the button generating? Is it open A? Do you know what, where I'm getting at? It's like, yeah, who's generating? Yeah. Um, and again, that's nothing to answer today, right? But it's more of a, just a discussion point. Yeah, no, totally. Um, um, I think that, um, and kind of moving the responsibility towards the end user or closest to an individual that is pressing the button generate, I think it's just not, um, not really, uh, Realistic. I don't believe that's the right approach. I think that the ones that need to take responsibility are the ones that putting this technology in the hands of uh, someone. And um, like you, you know, you have video editor and, and, and platforms, and people can manipulate videos and make people and uh, put people out of context, and that exists, right? This is mm -hmm. is a way to do these things. So, um, and I think. And I, I do feel that the one really generating are the models, the, the LLMs. And I think that, um, I, I, I don't know if, you know, putting lawsuits aside, I just think that they need to be mindful of the fact that they are really generating. And, and, and there are probably different types of options of how you do at least to market, to index it. And that this was generated, even if you don't want to put it evident, but at least put some, you know, non-evident yeah. stamps that you can always track it, that it's somehow controlled. Th these are, these are types of solutions that I think will need to be more and more enforced. Like, uh, someone needs to know whether it's real or not real, like, like deep fake, right. That was, that started this way. And then, you know, and we're at, people would need to put signs, right? That this is deep trade. This is created this one. So I think these things need to be expanded towards more things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, I know companies are working on that watermarks. They're working on, um, not, not, um, uh, approving the deep fakes, but, uh, confirming that this is a real one. So going the opposite way, as opposed to confirming this is a deep fake, we confirm this is like the real thing, right? And that's where, I mean, I'm playing with 11 labs, uh, which just blows, it just blows my mind. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm about to do a podcast where I have a conversation with myself through chat yeah. in my own voice. I mean, it's yeah. just, it blows my mind, right? It's, it's a little scary, 
but it, terribly exciting, right? And from a content creator's perspective, it's a, it's amazing uh, what we could do today. Um, but okay, so we can do a bunch of stuff with the AI. What can't we do? What, what kind of content should we? I mean, it's not ready for prime time. Let's say what kind of content today? And um, what we feel is lacking there, and we try to we try to build layers on top, but it's not easy. Um, I, I think there's a creative layer that is, uh, that is missing. Um, I'll give you an example, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you want to create an image, and um, you need to give a prompt that pretty much explicitly tells what you want there. And, and if you think mentally um, at choosing an image, if you're the, if you write an article and you want to embed an image next to a certain paragraph, then mentally what you go through in your mind with thinking, what is the best type of image that would fit into emphasizing the message that I want to convey in this art? And then you think, and you come up with something, you say, oh, that's great. And then you go search for it, or now you can, you know, just prompt it and create it. And this first part doesn't work well yet. And I think not, I think not even close to be honest. And I think that's a, that's a big gap. And we try to do it right where one of the things we do is output to video and next text to video. So we take a podcast and uh, we find kind of highlights of it. And then we take kind of this small part and we overlay a video and, and that is showing kind of generative models and videos and stock heroes, et cetera, based on what is being discussed. And, and then, and then you need to have a layer, right? That said, I say something like, uh, you know, customer experience is the most important parameter in marketing today. And what is the generative image that matches the center it's it's hard and i don't think the models are are there yet i think the outputs are sometimes closer sometimes not but quite random and so this layer of creativity i think is still lacking and and secondly i think video is still very very and, and very new so i think uh, really generative videos need a lot more and a lot of development and and these are probably these are probably the biggest layers i've seen um what what's your take on and i kind of alluded this to uh, before but uh, a branding tone style of the company right that still to me seems like it requires human intervention um even even if you try to teach it like you said, it was. It's not just like what fits to the right of this to emphasize this message, but what fits to the right to emphasize the message that's on target with my target audience and my branding and my tone of voice. I mean, all of that, and that that becomes really complicated. I think today, maybe not in fifteen minutes, but today, right now, uh, for AI to do right, where a human can go, okay, we have a style guide, we know our branding colors, we know our target audience. Let's design something. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There are, there are many gaps, by the way, and, and that's exactly where kind of the companies on top are trying to kind of add their add their nuances around it. The way we 
try to deal with these things is a combination. So we don't just do generative, right? We do a combination of um, pure algorithms, image processing. I know it sounds like we're in the 60s by saying it, but um, a combination where we can do generative. We do generative. Where we can't, we do other things. Um, so, for example, the brand. And so there are ways that you can at least create a template of an image with certain colors, certain frames, etc. And then mm. in a certain location within the image, create something that is generative that you, you could pretty much control the colors and some things around that. So then even if it's not perfect, um, you still get kind of a big part of the image that is done by template or by the brand book, etc. And um, we also, by the way, hold a team in the Philippines that still do kind of some you know, last kind of last mile corrections, et cetera, in some of the use cases. I think this is a great model, by the way, uh, for companies. I think it gives so many opportunities to give something that um, the AI will take time to master or the R&D will take a lot of time to get to a perfect level. Um, so, um, so these kind of services on top of the existing AI, I think these are and very helpful to give the customer for us in the marketing department a, a, an end-to-end solution with kind of perfect output. And, but you're right, these things, some of them will be closed, some of them will be left to these companies to close. And, mm-hmm. and, but, but that's really, I think, the rule for companies you know, to build on top. Uh, I like how you set the last mile for the tweaks and uh, yeah. I can also see where you're using generative AI for the prototyping, but then let the designer finally, because there's many times where I told people what I want and they come back and it's not what I want. But if I can generate something very close to what I want, but it's not on brand and tone and all that, then the designer can just do it. Exactly. It's a great use case. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and, and to me, I don't know, I, I, I got to ask you this about uh, measuring the effectiveness of AI generated content. But to me, it's almost like, well, it's the same thing as me- measuring the effectiveness of any content, right? Or or do you feel that AI generated content has specific metrics that we should go by? Um, no, I think, I think, I think one needs to first understand for his use case or her use case, um, what is effective. Okay, so if I'm putting an, an image or Carson images or video or just text in my social channels and um, as organic content, then there's a fair chance that I want to encourage engagement. So engagement could be a good proxy of measuring effectiveness. And the, there is a chance that I'm going to put an article and this would be the thumbnail uh, for the article and then I can measure clicks and so there, there are different ways to probably try to quantify. Is it different? No, I don't feel it's different. I do think that what it enables you, um, and this is also something that we're getting into, is to do a lot more A-B testing, right? And because you can constantly recreate. You don't need people involved. You don't need the provers. You can just create 100 versions, send them off to different people, try today, try tomorrow, see what happens every time. So you can start to more granularly testing what works better and get to kind of results of what's good for your brand, what's good for your purposes. 
So you, so it is, I think, an enabler for you to understand better what works and what doesn't. Instead of testing two options, you can test ten thousand options, right, in a week. And, and, and so, um, so that that's probably what I see as different. Do you feel that because personalization is a big hot topic in any content, not just generative AI, right? But do you feel that we'll get to a point where it's not the creator creating the variations, but it's AI creating the variations on demand based on the persona uh, definitions that you give it? So it's literally on demand being created as opposed to the creator. Because I could see it be very uh, um, effective to have not 10,000, but you know, 20, 30 different, but it's very ineffective from a cost efficiency. Even if you use AI, that's a lot of work to do. Do you think yeah. we'll get to a point where AI itself will do this from a personalization perspective? Um, or are we there yet? I mean, you're working on stuff, so maybe we're there. And um, I don't feel we're there. Um, um, will it get there? I don't know what's going to happen in five years. If you asked me a year ago, are we going to get to where we are today? Obviously. Right. <laughs> and, but, um, but I can tell you that I think the answer is, uh, is, is also different based on what is the type of output you want. If you're a creator and you're doing really creative things and when you're creating, you know, a vlog that, you know, think hard about what it is that you want to do and how do you attract the audience that is listening to you and um, I don't think AI is anyone near and um, doing replacing a creator with you know a new vlog uh, for different purposes I think you can take it to the text and have a tone of voice that is a little different based on analyzing the, the, the reader's persona and then you can try to find solutions that do it on the edge on the you know receiver's note, maybe changing certain elements there. And then you could probably do it some shapes or form on, on uh, images. Some things are easier, right? So if I want to, you know, talk to kids, then I can have images with kids. And if I want to talk to adults, I can have this and this it is, et cetera. These are, these are things that are, that are probably not, um, not far off, um, other than what you mentioned in terms of cost, et cetera. But probably not that dramatically far off and, but really creating, you know, creative content that is thought through, that is produced, that has actors, that has certain scenes and cuts and this, I think we're very far from it. And who knows what will happen in the future, but I don't think, um, I don't think it's anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, I agree that we're not near it, but I think it will happen. I mean, I've seen other companies with their APIs in image transformation APIs and, and the things you could do today through an API that you couldn't do before you had to use Photoshop. Uh, and now you can literally through the API transform images, resize on demand. I mean, there's so much you can do now. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't think we're there yet, but I think we will. Yeah, no, I, I think what you're mentioning, I totally agree, right? So today, I know I have friends that are doing several of these things. A company like Bria. Probably it's a company you know, in, in Israel, Cloudinary. I'm sure you know. Cloudinary are amazing, and uh, Bria is a great company. Yeah, take an image of an African-American girl, child you want to replace with, uh, um, with uh, 
an Asian adult male. Right. And um, you're likely to be perfect, but it's not that far away from just replacing. You're on, you don't want nighttime, you want daylight and replace. So all of these things, I think they're definitely getting close. Maybe with kind of the, this last mile human, and um, but they're definitely getting close. But these are, this is exactly what I mean that is different. If I can explain explicitly what I want for different audiences, like for him about this, this kind of scenery and for her, I want this kind of scenery, then this is not far away, but, um, you know, if I want to know that my audience would like me to, and, and, and I don't know, uh, throw uh, water balloons uh, from a tall building and kind of uh, zoom in on what happens when it uh, drops to the ground. Like, uh, who knows, right? Uh, there, there's no AI that knows to simulate that this is what this audience is looking. I think it's very far. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, so we're getting pretty close. To be honest with you, I have probably another 10 questions. We're not going to get through it because we're at 45 minutes. This is a great conversation, by the way. So thank you for doing this. And I know it's really late over there. It's probably one in the morning almost now. <laughs> yeah, so much is great, really. Yeah, definitely. So um, from a content creator's point of view, that it is in an enterprise versus somebody that is not any specific considerations regarding generative AI that you feel and any warnings, any flags, anything you want to give? Um, and, um, that, a, a lot, right? This is, this is exactly where we feel we come in certain use cases and other companies come in and other use, right? And I think I'll talk to different personas. I don't know who, who the viewers are, right? I think if you're an entrepreneur, and, and you're thinking of a great idea based on a generative AI model and that can solve a very specific problem that, and you want to take this to enterprises, it's extremely difficult. Um, they need something holistic that integrates into their workflow and works. They cannot have a hundred smaller solutions. And even if each one is great, it's very, very hard to get them to use and very specific things. So I think either try to solve something big or think how you can integrate into their workflows. And I think that's an important part. Secondly, when you go to enterprises, there are many other considerations, privacy and security, data security, and the risk of damaging your brand is is the most important thing for enterprises, right? If you're a creator and you've got the words wrong or you've got an image that has, you know, slightly uh, incorrect finish or whatever, and it's not that big of a deal. But if you're AT&T and you want to post a video and you're thinking that generative AI is the one that's going to create this video, and then... There are a hundred people that would look at the video and make sure that it's exactly the guidelines and each image is pixel perfect. And, and I think when, when you kind of look very closely at some of the outputs, text, images, etc., there are still some gaps. It's not, you know, very, very refined. And then, and I think they're, um, you know, building kind of companies that are in between the language, the, the large language models and what the enterprise needs 
I see that that's the right way and I think that's what will continue happening. Enterprises will find it much easier to adopt these kind of solutions versus um, go direct and try to fix things on their own. They, they might try to, you know, they will play with it, but uh, but at the end of the day, for really scale, and you need to make sure that you cover all of these points on top. I think governance is going to be a huge topic as enterprises adopt uh, content, AI-generated content more and more, right? Right now, it's free-for-all, but it's going to get to a point when that... I think it, what's going to happen is kind of like what happened with the internet when it first took off. When that first big lawsuit hits is when everybody's going to put a stop and go, okay, now we got to put go go governance around it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, we're going to close this up with, okay, uh, besides Gloss AI, um, what other tools do you feel users uh, should, or creators, enterprises should be aware of to start creating good content? Obviously, uh, Gloss AI, they have to go check it out. Of course, of course. This is the <laughs> and, and Wow, there are so many, I know. Everyone Give me your knows. top three. Obviously, Jasper is good, great. Mm -hmm. um, Whisper, I think, is amazing, by the way. And um, I think it has gaps, um, but it's amazing jump. Um, Super cheap, too. Sorry? Super yeah, cheap, also. We will soon start um, also marketing our own, uh, our own transcription on top of Whisper with the things that we sold. Very, very low cost. So wait, wait for these announcements. But, uh, but I think that's that that amazing and and enables you to really build a lot of things on top of it. And there are companies in Israel like Love Bria, which is a great uh, which is a great company that you can test for kind of image manipulations and different areas around that. And there are uh, companies that are doing things that are, might be a little similar to what we do, but for different audiences and more for creators. So I have a good friend that is uh, has a company called Audio Labs, and then he's doing kind of podcasts and creating short form videos out of podcasts uh, for a lot of kind of individual podcasters, and, and so many really honestly so many different things that are uh, and, and that are happening there. It's uh, we we test kind of like five different tools every day, and it's a uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really crazy. On, I have a uh, huge list. Sorry, there are yeah. many open source models now on audio. Right. There's audio generation, much better than what existed three months ago even. And uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, Ofer, I mean, we could continue speaking, but I know you got to go to sleep. At least you got to put in a couple hours, man. And, um, <laughs> you know, we're at 48 minutes. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, people want to get a hold of you, give the URL is glossai.com. Uh, glossai.co and uh, and if they want my email so it's first name dot last name at glossai.co and would love for me to hear from you guys excellent well thank you again Ofer. i really appreciate it thank you thanks so much and thanks to the rest of you i hope uh, you really enjoyed this conversation i know i did we could have continued speaking for probably another hour i had enough questions to tell you the truth um Remember to go check out creativespark.ai for more episodes uh, of this podcast and for all the other shows that I offer uh, that'll help you uh, or that'll uh, teach you how to use AI power tools so you can be more productive, creative, and technical. 
And as always, if you want to get a hold of me, Marcelo at creativesparks.ai. So we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers, everybody.